Hello and welcome to Really Rated, the movie review podcast. I'm your host, Mitchell Stevens, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Jess Andrews. Jess, how are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. Keeping safe, I hope everybody else is too. Yes, we hope you're keeping safe in this very, should we say, trying times. (laughs) (laughs) It's alright, they'll make a lot of movies about it in a few years' time. God, I know I've said it before. I know I've said it before, but can you imagine like the zombie films are going to come out after this? I'm just wondering which American actor is going to save us this time. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be someone new. It can't be like Brad Pitt. So we've had Brad Pitt. I think it'll be The Rock. (laughs) Right. So today's film was Jess's choice. So Jess, do you want to reveal? Well, not reveal to the audience because we've told them already. Hopefully, (laughs) (laughs) I'll reveal it. Why not? (laughs) surprise (laughs) so i chose what happens monday it's not super well known so hopefully you guys watched it if you listened to the last podcast and enjoyed it it came out in 2017 it was directed by tommy wakola which i definitely read the first time as tommy wiseau and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) but it was not him um i'm pretty sure this director actually did oh god there's iron sky isn't there and then there's like dead snow and i can't remember which one he did um yes dead snow i did look it up do you know what he did do which will warm your heart you probably know what hansel and gretel uh no he oh. did i thought you'd like that you like a bit of Gemma Arterton, do you? strawberry fields <laughs> um oh no no i'm getting it mixed up so it's not the director, it's the producer. The producer, Raffaella De Laurentiis. De Laurentiis? De Laurentiis. So she's notable for producing the Conan the Barbarian series with um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, the much maligned cult classic Dune, which is getting a remake. But she also did the Dragonheart series. Now, when it said series on Wikipedia, I was thinking... Series? There's a series of films. Say what? Yeah, but she, she definitely was involved in the first one, which I know you love and I do too. I also blame that movie for my hate... Well, partially blame that movie for my hatred of David Thewlis. <laughs> he's very slimy in that film. And his face... Ugh, I, so I can't horrible. describe it. He has a face in that film, which I do not care for. <laughs> he... He reminds me of a certain person that we shan't mention. Um, <laughs> I think you probably know who I mean. Just got it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move swiftly on. Um, so the basic premise of the movie is that we're in a dystopian world where kind of like, well, China, I guess, a few years ago, where they've capped the limit for how many children a family is allowed to have. But the weird thing is, is that in the movie, for some bizarre reason they never explain, <laughs> is that suddenly women are starting to have multiple children. Like, but not just twins and triplets, like they're having like five or six at a time. So the government's solution to this is to cryogenically freeze the children when they're born. Hmm. <laughs> mm. Um, so there's this government, so there's a, a bureau of the, uh, the government, the CAB, <laughs> um, the Child Allocation Bureau, is it? Yeah, would uh, you not change that name? Because I kept, every time I saw the, uh, the, what's the word for it? Cab. Yeah, cab. Like, that doesn't seem very scary to me. It's like, oh, I'm just going to go hail a cab. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's funny because Rich used to work for a company called Cab. <laughs> so every time that they mentioned it, we were like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know what you've been up to. <laughs> so the movie centres around seven sisters whose mother unfortunately dies in childbirth, as would I, giving birth to seven children. <laughs> oh, I know, right? That would rip you in two. I know. Father's nowhere to be seen, but they're raised by their grandfather, Willem Dafoe, who seems to have the ways and means to keep them under lockdown, away from the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, he must be some sort of... It, it's never really explained, I don't think, how he has all this money and resources and things, but he does just accept it. This is a movie where you just have to accept a lot of things. Yeah, and where you found a TARDIS apartment. Yeah, exactly. So basically what the sisters do is that they're all raised to kind of encapsulate this one persona. Yeah, carries it Karen Stadman. That's it. Stedman. I think it's Stedman because I've read somewhere that Stedman... No, sorry, Stepman. Stepman. Oh, Stepman. I think it's Stepman. Stepman. <laughs> I think so. I think it is because it's in in Scand in some Scandi language. It, it translates to like seventh man or something. Oh, that's nice. I, I... Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, originally the film was written as with a man in mind. Yeah, and I think 
I prefer that it's women. I think it works. Not be- not because I'm like a not because I'm like a everything should be women kill men <laughs> sort of person. I hundred percent agree because the whole premise of the film is that they're put in like peril and it's sort of like the outside world encroaching. I think if it was a man, we would have a very kind of like born legacy sort of situation. Definitely, yeah. And also, I think it's easier on the like costume designer and things like that to kind of. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit generalizing but women tend to have more variety in how they look and how they dress before we go any further into the film because before we start talking about kind of the second half of the film which is all about the action and like the conspiracy happening i just want to raise the question raise it raise it to the roof um (laughs) given the high concept of the story you know like you said you you made a joke of saying how like you know women are starting having like multiple children like twins yeah. and that I and mean, it's not actually explained why apart from the fact that it's all gmos <gasps> those nasty gmos mm. i found it very interesting that a lot of the pressure of us believing in this really high concept and the conceit of the film is willem dafoe himself yes and what i mean by that he, he has such a sort of like small role in the film which for me i i would have I don't know if I wanted him to have more of a fingerprint on the film, Mm. but we're introduced to him as the main character very early on. And we also have to believe that he would take on these seven kids in this sort of um, very dystopian world. And I think he plays it really well. I think so. Do you know, I'm not a massive Willem... Well, I am a Willem Dafoe fan, but I find him very typecast a lot and, and i felt like in this movie actually he was very against type which i liked he wasn't like because usually he's a villain isn't he or he's at least or he's at least some kind of slimy guy oh yeah no he's definitely yeah he's definitely the villain in most of the films and actually i watched him in the um what's it i watched him in the john wick films recently well no i say films i think he's in the first one right. um spoilers he dies um <laughs> <laughs> and he is a villain of course in terms of the fact that it all deals with hitmen that film but he's um he's occupied this new role now in hollywood where he's because he's like um obviously an older man he's now taken on his sort of like mentor type role and i think it really works for him i think so too actually he's he surprised me in how sort of soft he could be like i I really enjoyed the kind of multi-layers in but the things he did it did it did kind of encapsulate obviously he's a grandfather but he took on a father role it did really encapsulate for me like what what being a parent is like the scene where he has to cut where um, Thursday, I think it is, when Thursday falls off her uh, skateboard. Oh, that was disgusting, that bit. And they had to cut off all her fingers and it like, it upset, it did like genuinely upset me because I thought like, you're, I think you're, you're supposed to sort of feel like angry at him and like resentful, but you, I feel like they did a really good job of making you understand that every, th- every single thing he does is to protect them. It's a bit unusual for me to jump to a review this early but I just wanted to bring this up because I think it's interesting in terms of the critique of the film itself so I found a review by Jessica Kiang who wrote for Variety magazine or online whatever when I was reading the review it really angered me so her premise of her review is that she thinks this is going to be a cult film in the future Okay. even though she says it's brainless and has lots of plot holes yeah, but one of her critiques, and I wanted to bring it up because while we're talking about William Defoe, sorry, Willem Defoe. Willem, yeah. Willem, yeah. She says, for reasons never clear, a proviso that could preface preface any given line of plot description here. William Defoe's Terence Stepman decides to circumvent the Child Allocation Act and hide his seven granddaughters away. Now, what annoyed me about that statement? And like, I'm not here to attack any reviewer because I mean, you know, people's reviews is their own opinion and blah, blah, blah. But I think what she's overlooking, and this is what I find very important about Willem Dafoe's role, is that he is a grandfather. And I think what she's overlooking is the fact that in this universe, we're being led to believe that if you have multiple like children or siblings at one go, you're meant to give them up to be reallocated. Mm. But what she's overlooking is the fact that this man who we don't know his background we don't know you know who he is but he clearly doesn't trust the government yeah because he's da- and neither does his daughter really because we find that her given birth in a kind of like run down like a hotel didn't it like oh God, i have no idea what it was like kind of like um it reminded me kind of like they were doing this sort of like allusion to the fall of the russian empire because it looked like kind of like a palace it looked really decadent to me it must have been it, it couldn't have been a regular hospital because no how on earth would they let him 
him leave with them all and not, you know, have any kind of documentation. But she's overlooking the fact that he has this like paternal, you know, instinct that kicks in and it makes it clear in the little um, exposition we get of his character that him and his daughter have been distanced for many years. And it just angers me that I think that it's for that to be overlooked. It actually is the heart of the film. Like the fact that he's doing this for the love of his daughter and her children. It's just what I just don't understand how that's not clear. I don't know. It just wound me up a little bit, that statement. One of the only real negatives I can draw from it is that it's, the script is problematic in that you have seven, char- seven main characters who all look the same that you're meant to have developed and have relationships with the granddad. And I think. If they'd have spent a bit more time building more of a, I don't know, just showing a bit more interaction, a bit more like family life, like, but not just the whole like plot of, you know, we're training you to be <laughs> Karen, which is hilarious because Karen is such a, <laughs> such a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, Karen. controversial name these days, God, Karen, um, but, <laughs> but I said to Rich the other night, you know, I think they did the best of what they could. You've got a, a movie that's, what, two hours long? And you've got to fit in all the action, all the exposition. I think maybe they should have... So if they needed the character of Monday to be the one who ultimately turns out to be, you know, spoilers, the villain, or is she? They could have started off further uh, later in the week. So we could have seen, like, maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we don't actually have to see them out in the world as Karen. We could have maybe maybe stayed at home a little bit and developed a bit of character with the with who I believe become the main four. So you've got Monday, Tuesday, who become the survivors at the end of the film. Uh, sorry, Tuesday becomes the survivor at the end of the film Thursday. with Monday... Thursday and Thursday and Tuesday. Thursday and Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. But then we also get a little bit of more character development for Saturday, who's the blonde one. Yeah. Who is meant to be the whore, basically. Even though spoilers she's not, which I didn't like, to be honest with you. Like you can have a character who's kind of like out there and very aware of her sexuality and the fact that she's not a whore. I found it very European her whole thing. Like, because I said to Rich when we were watching it, like, you know, when they're getting it on and the tits are out and all this. And I said, like, you know, no no hate because she has a lovely body and all this. But I felt like that scene wasn't necessarily needed in the movie. Like, I didn't need to see her get eaten out. Ah, you know, I'm with you, actually. Yeah, that is very European, especially that scene. Yeah, like, I just felt like... It wasn't, it wasn't like a sticking point for me. I wasn't like, oh, I hate this movie now. It's like gone gone to shit. I enjoyed it, if that's the word. <laughs> but I didn't feel like it was necessary. I feel like it should, it could have been cut and we still would have felt the same thing we felt for the character. I feel that this film was predominantly aimed at women. Do you think? Yeah, only because we're in a world, in a space now where women sort of like kick-ass heroes is becoming more of the norm. And I do think films like that can negatively turn off female audiences if they feel like they're being purposely aimed at. Mm. But I think because Numero Pace, for me, I mean, definitely talking from a male perspective, Mm. but for me, Numero Pace always comes across to me as like non-sexualized. Do you think that's quite a lot to do with um, the girl with the dragon tattoo? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I think... quite androgynous, like the way that she's... um kind of marketed at least is quite androgynous I would say yeah and I think she's now come to a point in her career where I think she's actually realized that she can't shake that off anymore because I think she definitely went for roles after that that tried to uh she was in the the second Sherlock Holmes films done by Guy Ritchie and she's a a kind of a damsel in distress but not really sort of character but um anyway back to my point (laughs) um I think when you have a leading lady like Numira Pace who I feel is very like desexualized or even asexual in terms of how she's marketed and even how she looks. And that's not a critique on her. I think she's a very attractive woman. Yeah, she is. I think that scene was more for the fact that they wanted to get a naked male on screen. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe I'm saying that because I enjoyed it. <laughs> what, does it say, what does it say about me that I don't even remember him being naked? I just remember her being naked. <laughs> so a bit of inside baseball for people here. Um, I revealed to Jess the other day that it was... It was Marwen Kazari, I hope I'm saying that right, is uh, Jafar in the remake of Aladdin, which I didn't know because I thought he was another actor. 
But yeah, no. So I think that scene was like more in there for the female audience than it was for the male audience. And I think that's probably why they had the, you know, like you said, eating, <laughs> being eaten out. <laughs> well, there's another way to put it. Is there? <laughs> there is no other way to put it. Because <laughs> it's quite graphic in terms of the fact that like, sorry for my turn of phrase, but he gets right in there. <laughs> he does, yeah. I mean... We were watching it with our friends, obviously on, obviously on Zoom, but I was a bit, like, uncomfortable. I was like, ooh, I don't think I want to watch this in front of my friends. Clutching your pearls. Yeah, um, but I like that, I do like that they included a sex, well, you know, like, alluded to a sex scene with, with, uh, what's his name? Is it, like, Julian? Oh, God, it's completely gone out of my head. Adrian. It's Adrian, isn't it? Adrian. Adrian. But yes, um, so, essentially the plot is, is that they... For anyone that hasn't seen it, which I'm sure you have, but um, the plot is is that, anyway, so these seven sisters, they're raised in this apartment, which is really more like a bunker. Yeah. (laughs) A government bunker with their granddad, playing the same role, so that each of them get to go out once a day, which is nice. But it does mean that they have to adhere to exactly the same standards in their appearance and their behaviour, their relationships, all that. And it all seems to be going quite swimmingly. Like, at the beginning of the movie, they seem to be quite on top of it. And then suddenly... As per the title, Monday doesn't come home from work on Monday, which is her day. Um, <laughs> and so it just kind of unfolds. They're trying to find out where she is and what happened. And I think because you don't get much time with Monday, I think maybe it's purposeful, but I found it hard to care that much because I guess in my mind I was thinking, well, she's gone missing, okay, but. There's no reason why one of them can't just, like, switch in for her. Yeah, I agree, because... (sighs) I mean, emotions aside, you know, obviously they're worried about her. I'm trying to... Yeah, I'm trying to look at the film in terms of that I don't know the twists. So, obviously, like, spoilers for anyone who hasn't watched the film yet. Yeah, stop and go watch it and then come back. (laughs) Monday ultimately turns out to be the... I I call her pseudo-villain, because what she does is definitely villainous. I mean, she turns on her family... But as you find out, she does it because she's protecting her unborn. I assume... How is it? Children? Yeah, twins. Given where we end up with her, I like that we didn't know as much. Because when we were, like, investigating her and trying to find out what happened to her, obviously the title, um, I actually did think to myself, well, she's dead. Like, this is ultimately, like, for, for nothing. Yeah. And I actually did find myself worried about her and actually with the sisters. It's no coincidence that I really connected with Thursday. She's who I think is the main character of the sisters. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so I really connected with Thursday. So the fact that she was taking command and was really concerned with trying to find her sister, that was my emotional linchpin into that film, was Thursday and how she was concerned for Monday. But it gets on to the other point, which I'll bring up later. But um, the dichotomy of like how I feel now, given that I know the film, when I go back and watch it again, it's going to change how I feel with the initial exposition of us following Monday. So I do agree with you. I do wish now, I wish we knew more about her and we saw more of her day-to-day life as Karen Stepman. Whereas then, when I was watching it, I kind of liked that it was kind of vague because you didn't know as much and obviously you were going to find out as the film goes along. I feel like they actually did a very good job, if I'm honest, of characterising, apart from Tuesday, but I think that's more because she goes missing so early on. And Sunday as well. You know, yeah. you know when the one that gets shot in the apartment. At the beginning, yeah. Yeah. My favourite character, well, my favourite my favorite piece in the movie was the, the one where um, the CAB tracked down Wednesday, and you have the whole like big action scene that, where she like jumps over the, the tower block. But I thought that was such a cruel, like, a cruel set piece because, like, if you watch it back, she goes through so much. Oh, I know. <laughs> in that, like, hour or so, doesn't she? Yeah. Like, there are so many nail-biting moments that in most movies, in in kind of classic narrative, she would survive because she's been through so much. But when she jumped over and that fucking, oh, Agent Smith wannabe comes out and shoots her, my heart, I actually cried a little bit. I was really upset. It wasn't until she died that I thought to myself, oh, here we go. This is what they're going to do to narrow down the cast so that we can get our four main characters. Because I argue that Saturday is quite an integral part of the film as well. Uh, Yes. They definitely played with our emotions. And I think they played with our preconceived knowledge of Numi Rapace. Because I called 
it's Wednesday, isn't it? I called Wednesday the MMA beast, but she reminded me a little <laughs> bit of Lisbeth. Oh, okay, fair play, yeah. From Girl with Dragon Tattoo. So the fact that, I agree with you, so the fact that she gets killed in such a cruel way, I was like, that would never happen, Lisbeth. What are you playing at? <laughs> I know, it was, it, was, it was just really cruel, but I think, and, I, and it's worth mentioning as well how gory the movie is. Like, it's not like, you know, Saw movie type gory but it's a lot more gory than I thought it would be. Did you find it gratuitous... I can't say that word. Gratuitous violence. Um, I found it European. (laughs) Do you know what? That's that's my main description (laughs) for this movie. I'm just like, it's European. (laughs) But we sound like we're not used to it, but we're European ourselves. But um, I agree with you. I think think you're right. Or should we say Scandi? Do you find it very... Well, yeah, I mean, like, as in, like, Euro... I don't like the expression, but Euro trash, you know, the, the, the Euro um, cinema kind of, uh, you know what I mean, don't you? No, I agree with you. I feel like it was very European aesthetics. Yeah. And it was trying to be a Hollywood film. Well, it was interesting because we, we were watching it and I said to, to um, Rich, I don't think this is set in America. This is set somewhere in Europe. But we could not, for the whole movie, we were going, God, where is this set? This is so ambiguous. And I think it was it was filmed in I read that it was filmed in Romania because it because it was such an expensive shoot because obviously they had to film so many things with like seven times and had to keep new replace on for ages and all this and obviously there's quite a lot of effects as well and action scenes um, they, they, they shot in Romania to save money and actually I think it was a really good shout because Romania is not somewhere that most people have been or that's featured very heavily in mainstream movies, it made it more believable that it was dystopian for me. Yeah, now that you're bringing it up, I can see what you mean. Because I, I, when I was watching the film, I wasn't sitting there thinking to myself, where is this? But now that you bring it up, to me it felt very Parisian. Oh, really? And it might have been the apartment complex they were in. Yeah, I see that. But I've never been to Paris, so I don't know. So it's my idea of Paris. Of Paris. I feel like... It was very political. Like I feel like if we were at uni, this is a movie that I would have chosen to write about in a like a politics and film module. Don't sure. worry, we will get there because I want to talk about the um, politics of it all. But uh, sorry, carry on. Because it's deep. It's deep, man. Well, it's well, I don't know. It's as shallow as a puddle, I think. But <laughs> but they try. Bless them. <laughs> I think it's. I don't mean deep as in like deep to find the meaning. I just mean there's a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> it's very heavy with like the allegories i think the ceiling was high but the floor was low as well if you care what i mean <laughs> <laughs> you're just more intuitive than me <laughs> i'm like i think it's saying that being the same is bad <laughs> but then i also enjoyed the sex scene for the male nudity so that doesn't say a lot about me <laughs> yes you are very shallow, very shallow. <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's definitely worth mentioning at this point um glenn close the closest character because me and me and my friends watching it had very different opinions i actually thought she was written quite well they all hated it they all hated her like they thought she was a rubbish character i thought it was actually done relatively realistically like it never i don't i don't think it ever really paints her as somebody who is hell-bent on killing all the children and is you know an evil evil person i think she's meant to be a product of her politics i want to say that they lucked out with glenn close but i believe it was a purposeful casting if you get what i mean because glenn close she could act with so little and behind her words and her face and her her demeanor she can tell so much even though i don't agree with this term she's underwritten because I don't think she is because I got what I wanted out of her and I think I understood her throughout the film and ultimately where she comes up at the end I get her journey and I get who she is so I think you need to I think people who don't understand her I think need to sort of really hone in on what is not said rather than what is it's in the space in between what you don't hear is where her true emotions and her character lies I know that no, that sounds very pretentious for me to go. Oh, you just didn't, you just didn't get it, guys. You, <laughs> you didn't get it. You just didn't get it. But what I mean by that is, I think her character is purposely written as something that is, because uh, she's very, very political. She's very much a politician, and they want to show you a facade of what they want to present to the world. 
and it's in the space that you don't hear or in this you know in the time that she has with that guy who i was so convinced was her son oh really <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's because they were both had blonde like or auburn yeah they do look they do look similar. yeah so in my mind it's her son um <laughs> so when um what's her name oh cayman cayman so when cayman jr <laughs> when Cameron <laughs> Jr. is talking to his mum, it's those moments that I actually feel like we get the true her, especially when she sort of reveals that she had that dream and um, yeah. the CAB, the doors were broken open and all the babies fell out, or the children, she says. And I was like, that is so disturbing. But to me, that made me feel some sort of empathy for her. Well, she said something about, like, in her dream, like, she was like, oh... Every, everything was burning they were all burning and I just thought like oh that's so like she was almost sort of like a Nazi camp you know like what you'd imagine someone that works at a Nazi camp would have been um, sorry like a concentration camp would be like hedging up all this horrible genocide for the for what they perceived to be the greater good um, and how that would conflict you and with that being said I think let's jump to the politics of the film because in talking about the politics of the film in terms of what the film is trying to say and the message it's trying to give across I think it takes us to the sort of like ending of the film and the following action of well basically their journey so what I mean by that is so the idea of the overpopulation of the earth basically it's a subject which I've found very interesting in the past and it first came to my attention with the film Inferno which is the third film in the Da Vinci Code franchise have you seen it no but Rich Rich said the same thing as he was describing it to me ah <laughs> so I know what you're on about we're so simpatico me and Rich um, I know right <laughs> so for people that haven't seen it and it's going to be light spoilers uh, basically the premise of that film and the book as well is the fact that there's this tech billionaire who's meant to be a stand-in for I think uh bill gates and uh what's the apple creator guy steve jobs steve jobs that's it (laughs) he is um he has a ted talk which they use as a flashback and he's basically saying that we're overpopulated and it's going to get worse and we have to come to some sort of uh, solution now there's the key word there solution like Mm. hello nazis um Mm -hmm. That film plays with your emotions in terms of like what is going on because there's this group of terrorists who are threatening to release a biological weapon which is going to half the sort of world's population. And also it's kind of like Thanos' ultimate plan in Avengers. Like that's what right. he that's what he wants to do, but he's more of a universe galaxy type <laughs> scope. But anyway, so since that film, it's been something that I've been wrestling with in my mind in terms of the fact that they're not wrong. It's true. And a lot of people having more kids than they probably need to these days. And I'm not saying people shouldn't be, you know, capped on how many kids they have. Like, But it's something that us as a population, as a generation, are going to have to face. It's a result of climate change. It's happening because of it. Anyway, I'm getting to my politics here. But what I mean, what I mean is, so this film, when this sort of cropped up right at the beginning, it's something that really sort of sat with me. And I was like, this is something that we need to address more in films and it needs to be talked about. But my main concern is with this film is that they're not so much concerned with answering it. They're more concerned with just bringing it up. Because when we get to the end of the film, we have that closing shot of Tuesday and Thursday and Adrian uh, looking at the twins. And then it pans out. and We've got all these screaming kids and these not a lot. And it's like two or three nurses are all tending to them. Yeah. But what annoyed me a little bit is the fact that I kind of wanted them to answer it more because I was left kind of wanting at the end of the film. But I think that might have been the point. <laughs> yeah, I think they definitely I think it was definitely trying to make a comment about the the harshness of sometimes having to make, you know, I mean, Glenn Close says it at the end of the movie, you know, like, what do you want me to do? You know, with <laughs> You'll you'll soon think that I was right when uh, when nobody you know when everyone's starving and yeah you know, the world has imploded on itself which is it's a really like current and kind of sad thing to think about but I think they nailed it as well as they could. Do you think the use of it of like the one child per person and this ultimate like population problem? Do you think it was cheap? Cheap, um... like because for me I found it powerful that they didn't answer it and I think you did as well. Yeah, I 
I didn't I didn't leave the movie thinking, huh, okay, so what? Do you know what I mean? Like I I thought that's the whole yeah, to me it was the point. It was the point that there is no real solution and unfortunately the solution <laughs> to use the word solution, the solution is not always what you want. It's like what's the what's the expression, you know, the the right thing is not always the the, the easy thing or Yeah. Whatever the you know sometimes you have to make hard decisions for the greater good, right? And it's it's sad. I just I found it sad to be honest, and like, but I I thought it was quite interesting how they set up the kind of well kind of the reveal of what happened to the children because to me it was absolutely horrific. Like, it should have been like an eight. Is it an eighteen or is it a fifteen? I don't know. But I'm not sure. To me, incinerating. Well, hopefully you guys have seen it. If not, go watch it. But. To me, incinerating a live child on yeah. screen is um, made me feel quite sick. Um, and the fact that the parents were obviously told by the CAB that um, that they're just being cryogenically kept until the world is healed, which does make you sort of think, like, everyone's eating rats to survive, right? So the government clearly doesn't have that much money. Yeah. <laughs> so how are they keeping all these people alive for like you know like billions of people alive in these cryogenic? But I was fooled. I was fooled. Were you not? Um, I was. Susp- I didn't know, but I was suspicious. Oh, okay. I, w- I was like, mm, something's a bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even even putting them in cryogenic freezing is from the perspective of the person in the current time, the parent. Basically, that is killing your child, isn't it? Well, this is why I was... Because you're not going to live with them ever. Yeah. Like, you've, lost, you've lost them, haven't you? But this is why I was fooled, because in hindsight... So when you get to the point where they reveal that this is what the solution is... Uh, sorry, this is what the fa- <laughs> the facade of the solution is, which is we're going to freeze your children. Like you just said, that is a death, because you're going to die, and they're going to they're going to wake up, they're going to be alive. You're not going to know that child's like promise and like their future. So for me, in retrospect, at that moment in time, because we we get introduced to the idea of cryogenically freezing through an advert, which you see. So when I saw that, I thought to myself, well, it makes total sense why uh, Willem Dafoe would take on these seven sisters and want to protect them because he's not going to want them to be frozen or like six of them frozen and he get, keep, gets to keep one. Yeah. So to me... How would you even decide which one you keep? Exactly. <laughs> so to me, it makes total sense why he would take on like this responsibility and want to protect them. And what, and what he did was ultimately very creative. So for me, even the idea of cryogenically freezing children was quite morbid in the first place oh 100% yeah Yeah, so when that reveal comes up I was absolutely like just blown away and disgusted like when you actually see it I think I felt like Thursday in that reaction I was like what the hell oh my god like and is it just me or did you just want like like when the when the 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 nurse gets her (laughs) gets her comeuppance yes I was so I was like yes fucking suck it you bitch takes that job if they're not an absolute psychopath oh i know it's yeah like literally i i do like that she got her come up come up and straight away because it is like the uh the guy that you know turns the hand doing concentration camps it's like you're you're not innocent no no you're still culpable in killing like millions of people but i found i found it i, I feel like i wouldn't want to watch that scene again do you know what i mean like i it upset me so much and i think it was meant to obviously but it upset me so much that I don't think I want to... Because obviously, the first time I watched it, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, she might well have been quite gently frozen. So I was... I mean, this poor little girl in a little, like... A little, like, jammies and a teddy bear. Oh, God, I've got to cry now. And like, it's very telling that that's the girl you see earlier in the film. Uh, that is it Monday Sees? Yeah. Getting taken away? Yeah. I think so. So it's, I don't think I want to watch it again. I probably skipped that scene just because it would upset me so much. But I also kind of feel like the only thing as well that I found a bit strange was at the end when when it's kind of when they when they set off the screen to show everyone what happened, which was very satisfying. Um, I feel like the reactions of the people weren't quite disgusted enough. No. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if that was real, li- I know it's not real life, but if it was real life and you had literally watched footage of a child being incinerated on purpose before your very eyes i mean you'd probably be sick wouldn't you was you waiting for a riot to break out because yeah, i definitely was I thought, I thought they were gonna like lynch her i think that would have been more satisfied actually it would have been very do you think it was a film that looked good i 
do and and the word i'm going to use is probably quite um uh, what's the word i'm looking for uh because it's very scandy and what i mean by that so all the scandinavian dramas that i've watched are very gray they're very kind of um yeah <laughs> is it sepia tone is that the right word sepia no sepia is like golden yeah, so no, I want to... You're thinking more like unsaturated. Yeah, like chiaroscura. Like it deals with a lot of whites and blacks. Yes. And greys and... In- Actually, there's a lot of blues in this film. Yeah, it does suffer. I I mean, I'm not a massive fan of the whole the, the blue trend that seems to be dying out quite a lot, but I think it has it quite a lot in this. I do like how... The, it lo- I think the city, it reminded me a lot of the city in Seven. Seven. Seven, as in. Yeah, I'm trying to think show. in the sea. Oh, so it's like, so it's like, it's almost like a kind of like a noir, like a noir old film. Like it's foggy. You can imagine it in black and white. Like it looks kind of dirty and unappealing. And yeah. Dangerous. Oh, be, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Like it's a place that you don't want to be. No. In any section of it. Even I mean, obviously you've got the areas that are the um like the city blocks where all the corporate people are which are like generic shiny buildings which is quite strange really it's sort of um it reminds me a lot of india in that one minute you're in a street where people are eating rats and in the next in the next street (laughs) there's like big shiny dolce and gabbana stores yeah it's really odd it's really weird um but it does i think that is supposed to show you like how the economy and how like society in that was it 2070 something you know in that in that time that that life has just completely gone to shit and that there's no sort of equality. It's not working, basically. The only thing I didn't like, but that this is probably more of a big bugbear for me in general in terms of sci-fi films, is the whole kind of, oh, uh, we're the elite, so we're in big, shiny, tall buildings and we're, we're all rich. And then there's the slums of decaying old buildings and that. But I get that it's an easy, uh, like, sort of POV for the audience to understand, you know, this is the poor side, this is the rich side. But I wish that that was, would be a trope that would kind of die out. Because the thing is, though, if we believe, like you said earlier, this is a society that is running out of money. Like you said, they're eating rats. So they, even the government don't have a lot of money. Like, is it believable they'd be able to upkeep their buildings like that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is. But... Um, well, it, I suppose it's, I suppose if the money is distributed in a certain way, although it begs the question actually, if the government has a lot of money to to um, cryogenically freeze these people, surely the money spent on that could be spent on the people that are currently living. Oh my god, yeah, maybe that is a plot hole. <laughs> although the thing is, is that they, I mean, I said um, to Rich like they could. The weird thing is about the plot, I find the the reason that I think it's a very biting commentary on society and politics and the way the world works is that you see in the beginning they have sterilization centers like you can go and get yourself sterilized but people don't and i think that's quite interesting maybe that's an aspect that needed to be explored more because i do think because there was a long line when monday walked past on her way to work that morning of people who are being sterilized but then why are there like millions of children going into the cryo every because I think they say it's free. I think she says it is free. Yeah, I think it is free. I was going to say, but maybe is that is that a plot hole? Because maybe if they said that you have to pay for it, then that would make sense why the poorer people of the society wouldn't be able to do it. But then again, it wouldn't make sense because it would be... Um, I don't think that would happen. Because if it's a solution that the government would want, they would make it free. Uh, I don't know. I, found, I think... I think you want to what we were saying earlier in terms of how disposable the the main characters are i think in it's kind of it's it's a two-sided coin because if you spent more time fleshing out and kind of allowing the characters to have their narratives and do their thing all the whole way through the movie and they all survived i think the film would be very bloated so unfortunately i think they do end up as cannon fodder and i don't think it's because they necessarily wanted to just kill him off like you know like slasher movie style one by one but I think it was necessary because can you imagine how hectic and how confusing it would be for a viewer to watch the end sequence with seven people running around yeah my eight, only... eight including Jafar <laughs> yeah my only critique of the characters though is that I wish they were more distinguishable uh, aesthetically because 
So for instance, Monday, Tuesday and Sunday, they all have a very Karen Stedman look when they're not in their uh, costume, I'll call it. They all have the same kind of bang cut. And even even Friday, who is the hacker, yeah, um, they all have the same type of hair. The only people who are indistinguishable are... The MMA Beast Wednesday, who mm-hmm. has the kind of like short hair with a bang. Thursday, who has the Numi Rapace, because that's her hair. That's what I believe. Yeah, that's her hair. Yeah. And then we have Saturday, who's blonde. Tuesday's had the, the red hair, didn't she? But she had the red hair at the end, though, didn't she? Or did she have it all the way through? I thought she had it all the way through. Oh, did she? Yeah, I think so. Well, that proves my point even more then. <laughs> because the ones that are distinguishable, that I took that you care about, and... I was thinking that on a rewatch, because I would know this now, that they're the ones you need to look out for, that it would improve my uh, viewing experience in terms of the fact that once I go back, I'll be like, okay, they don't matter in terms of the overall plot, in terms of the fact that we don't have to deal with Monday until the end of the film. And then uh, Tuesday is becomes a damsel in distress literally the second day and she's taken out of the equation. And then Sunday's killed off and then Friday's killed off later on in the film. If I think to myself, well, I don't need to worry about them too much, I can concentrate on getting the characters that I do care about fleshed out a little bit more. Because I don't know whether or not it's just that I have a deeper connection to Saturday because I think I understand her more. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, because I'm a blonde hussy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I did connect with her more than I did some of the others because I've, and then. I found, I found her death quite affecting. Yeah, I found it upsetting as well. And do you know what? That sequence where... In fact, all the sequences, really, where they show Friday and the others kind of in the um, in the apartment, sort of mo- like monitoring and everything. I, I must say, I found all of those sequences really well edited and directed. If you're, if you're directing seven characters who are all played by the same person and it's action scenes and you know a lot going on i never once felt like this is really messy i don't know who's who's where do you know what i mean it was all i found it quite impressive actually considering considering that a lot of people don't really rate this director i think he did a really good job no i did and, and considering i've seen um hansel and gretel witch hunters and it's not that great a film I couldn't believe that it's the same director because i feel like he stepped his game up a little bit in this one I never really found it. The only time that I found it confusing to watch was when the, they were children, because I found it quite hard to yeah. distinguish who was who. Actually, I'm still um, not 100 percent sure I know who was who. I think maybe what they should have done was like maybe like when they're inside the apartment, maybe the granddad gave them all like a different colour bracelet or a hat or something. <laughs> oh, that'd have been cute. Or like written their names on their like on a cardigan or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that's the thing is, is that I think a lot of the problems with the movie aren't with anything that the director or the or the actors or anything did. I think it is all just down to the fact that it's a very difficult story to pull off. It's not easy to make a story like that coherent and not plot holy and not you know slightly confusing every now and then. And I think they did the best job they could, to be honest. I mean, I. I liked it a lot more than because after we watch our movies on, on our little Zoom chats, we all like discuss, you know, if we liked it or not. And I was the only one that like really liked it. Everyone else was like, oh god, it was like, um, it was really confusing and like, oh, there's so many plot holes, there's so many plot holes. And I said, yeah, but I mean, you, you're willing to go and watch movies about talking dogs, <laughs> but you won't suspend your disbelief and just accept some things are the way they are like in these movies thing is though jess like not to spoil the end bit in terms of us reviewing the film too much but like i really enjoyed the film and i really enjoyed it for what it was but things though are we stupid probably (laughs) are we easily entertained but i don't think we are i i just think as movie reviewers and as movie fans i think you and i are a lot more forgiving of certain things that other people aren't Maybe, but I mean, it's it's a weird one because uh, the, the people that, that that tend to say they don't like the movie do tend to be like, air quotes, you know, like film buffs, people that enjoy film. They're not sort of like, you know, people that casually watch film, I guess. So I think they are highly critical, but less sympathetic, maybe. 
A lot of the general critique of the film mirrors um, a lot of the friends that you watched it on Zoom with. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not critiquing them because like you know you can like what you like yeah, and that's sort of, you know that's fine. But a lot of the things that people point out, like the plot holes or the fact that it's quite a simple story and blah, blah, blah. For me, that takes a back seat to the fact that I really connected with these characters, especially the four main characters that we learn are the most consequential. I enjoyed the ride. I actually enjoyed the... Well, no, until right at the end, obviously, when you find out that Monday was pulling a fast one. I actually enjoyed trying to find out what happened to her. I was like, well, what actually happened to her? I was really kind of, like, confused. And even, uh, like, when they started suspecting Adrian, I suspected Adrian. So I don't know whether or not I'm just... I wasn't watching the film in terms of a critical eye. Or maybe I was just taken along for the ride. But I enjoyed being taken along for a ride with a film. <laughs> Tell me your story. I, I, I actually felt really engaged the whole way through. And, like, there were certain bits that I was, I was actually at the edge of my seat. Like, when Saturday is in the apartment with Adrian and they're, like, having getting it on. And he's, like, he starts choking her. I was like, shit. He's actually, like, a bad guy. Oh, my God. Like, I thought he was really... Because like, they, they, they coded him as so nice to begin with. But the, the one thing that I do think is a bit they maybe could have explained a bit better is that let me just get it right in my head because it's quite confusing so on the first day the first day that we see in the movie is sunday isn't it so you see sunday go to the gates where they scan her little bracelet and he's there yeah she's coming home isn't she from work yeah yeah they have a little like repartee right but from his perspective because he's in love with monday that is her so it's weird that like in all the time that they had their relationship and he knew of Karen, that it never kind of came out. He never saw, like, say he glimpsed, um, I don't know, Wednesday in the supermarket or at the rat stand. Yeah. <laughs> and and said, oh, hello. You know, and, she, and he never once kind of thought, why don't you remember what I said to you? Or Because she kept this relationship secret. So everything that she updated them with, work and everything else, and told them, because they had that debriefing at the end of the day, didn't they? Everything that, Connects to that Adrian. she had with him, yeah, yeah, she didn't share. So that is a dangerous game to begin with. Now that you've brought it up, that's the two things that I think are both unbelievable, but also believable at the same time. Because what I mean by that is, we could surmise that Monday could have said to him, look, this is the deal. I'm one of seven sisters. Because if she loved him and she wanted to have a relationship with him, because she wanted to be Karen Setman. That's what she wanted. She wanted to, to go off and marry him and have a happy life. I would think that she would share that with him. Unless she was scared it would scare unless she was worried it would scare him off. Yeah, but he didn't he didn't know though, did he? Because um Yeah, he didn't know. And that, and that's the thing. So all I can think of is that she might have said to him, because you're a cab agent and you know I don't want to get involved with that. We have to keep our relationship on the down low. And also when we're in public, you've got to pretend you don't know me. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I still don't think it's believable. I, I agree with you. I still don't think it's believable in terms of the fact that he would start thinking something's up. Because even if you, cause for instance, say that you and me pretended that we didn't know each other in public. <laughs> I do that anyway. I see you in a Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep walking, keep walking. <laughs> um Say that we didn't pretend we didn't know each other. We would still have this deep history of our past. Yes. So say like, for instance, you came up to me at a rat stand. <laughs> I know you because I think you'd do some sort of knowing thing that only we would get. Yeah. And that's what Asian was doing. So I agree with you. It's not believable in terms of the fact that he, he seemed really stupid because he had to be stupid for the sake of the plot. I think, actually... Yeah, the only thing I could think of was how they could improve an already very difficult script to handle would have been that he knew. But of course, then you would have... Um, you couldn't have had the scenes with Saturday and such. Like, that wouldn't have... I think it would have taken a lot of tension out of the movie. And I think they did the best job they could. So, shall we um, Shall we get to the, the nitty-gritty? All right. Considering I've spoiled my, uh, my uh, critique of the film a little bit just then, let's jump to our review in the film where we decide whether it's good, bad or underrated. Now, given this is your choice, I'll let you go first because I think I've spoiled my opinion a little bit. So I want to hear what you think. Okay, so if we look at the online scores, because we know that's the all and all, IMDb has a 6.9, which I think is slightly underfair. Uh, Metacritic gives it 47%, which is pretty low. And then Rotten Tomatoes, Tomatoes, Tomatoes. <laughs> you say potato, I say potato. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> um, it's 57%, which is a bit higher. 
So IMDb is the is the main one and is the highest one. Um, I mean, generally from all the reviews that I've been reading, it's quite it's, it is quite split. It only made, I think, if I remember rightly, it only made six million profit at the box office. Should we make it clear though, because it was only review, it was only released in countries outside of the US and the UK. Oh sure, yeah, because it was Netflix otherwise. Yeah, yeah, Netflix otherwise. And I'm not sure how the money works with Netflix. I don't know what they like what they buy it for. If you see what I mean. But, um... Well, I do know. Oh. <laughs> yes. He's sliding your card over the table at me. <laughs> well, I know <laughs> I know so much is in terms of I know how the business model of Netflix works in terms of the fact that when it comes to their original programming, they will generally try and find projects that have been in uh, production hell for like years. Uh... And this is one of them because this is actually one of those films that is on the blacklist which is a very famous list of scripts that have yet to be produced but have been earmarked by people in the know that they should keep their eye out for. Ah. This is one of them. So it was in production hell for like year upon, years upon years. I think it, it hit the, from what I've read, it hit the blacklist in 2013, I think. So what I know about Netflix is they, they come in with a low offer, with a production team that is probably willing to get the film made for like a cheap budget. So, for instance, it'd be like us. So, like we had an idea for a film and we wanted to make it, and we approach Netflix, they'll be like, okay, we'll give you this amount of money to make it, and then we'll give you the money to get a super big cast. Uh... So, it's made on a budget, but the budget, main budget that Netflix contributes to it is the fact that it will give the money to get the big names attached. Right. I know for this film in particular, it's funny that you bring up, <laughs> uh, it felt very European and, very, and I said it very Scandi. Mm. I think it was made by like that part of Europe. Really, this should be a foreign film. Right. But because Netflix got its paws on it, it became a Western speaking type film. So obviously Hollywood. Yeah. So that's what I know, <laughs> which isn't a lot. <laughs> so I feel like the ratings, for, so, so from the reviews that I've been reading, it is mixed. People are either kind of on my side in terms of like, they did the best with something that was a very difficult thing. As you said, it would have been stuff in production hell and I can see why, because it's not an easy thing to film. Some people are sort of stating it as like kind of mindless and overcomplicated and, you know, like you said, killing off the characters every five minutes and such. I can see their points, but I think you have to consider a movie for what it is rather than what it's not or what you want it to be. Aside from a couple of little plot issues that can be ignored, if I'm honest. I actually found it highly enjoyable, like more than I thought I would. But when, when my friend said for us to watch it, I was a bit like, oh. So I'm not a huge new Rapace fan, if I'm honest. I don't dislike her, but... I was a bit like, mm, do I really want to watch seven new mirror paces? <laughs> I feel bad for new mirror pace because I feel like uh, how I feel with foreign films. See, I generally, when I watch a foreign film, I always generally have to be in a mood for it because obviously we have to read the subtitles. And I think there's a certain subtext that gets lost when you have to read what they're saying when you can't engage with what they're saying, if you get what I mean. See, that's interesting you say that because I feel much more comfortable reading subtitles than i do dub with dubbing oh yeah no i agree because i hate dubbing, dubbing yeah i agree horrendous so numero pace in my opinion is a much more uh accomplished actor in her own native tongue than she is in english and what i mean by that is because because she's having to even though she is a very fluent english speaker because when you speak to someone who speaks english and it's not their native tongue they always say to you that it's hard for them to vocalise what they're thinking because they have to put it into words, which... Because really, our language is actually quite narrow in terms of expressing what people want to f express in their native tongue. Yeah. And what I feel with Numeri Pace is that when she acts English, <laughs> which sounds very ignorant of me saying, <laughs> she, she feels like she's very penned in. Do you think she wanted to do this movie because it gave her a chance to actually do different characters? Yeah, because I think she wanted to prove that she could do it. And I think she is successful in certain areas. Oh god, I think I think she's really impressive to be honest. Like a lot of the time when she was doing um segment with uh Wednesday, the like the big chase scene, 
she was sending it in every way, like the emotion, the action. I was so invested in every one of her characters, apart from Sunday, who is admittedly a bit underdeveloped, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Sunday's a day of rest. They were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think it's a bit ignorant for me to say, like, the fact that she's not convincing in, like, English roles, given that the only sort of other films that I've seen her in is the Girl Dragon Tattoo, like, saga. The thing is with, with that role of Lisbeth, when I see her speaking in her, like, native tongue, there's so much more emotion mm. that she conveys, which I don't feel like I get in her other roles when she's doing it on this side of the pond. I think that's true for a lot of a lot of actors, though, isn't it? I mean, I don't know many actors who can speak so fluently that they can actually project real proper emotion but this is the one of her roles which like, i agree with you i feel like i was very impressed i think do you know what it is i think i enjoyed it so much because i was so impressed by her yeah and i like numero pace the films i've seen i mean i argue that she's one of the better things about prometheus <laughs> yeah definitely because i enjoy prometheus more than like the average person um and also if you compare it to the atrocious alien was it convergence what was it called covenant covenant that's it <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i enjoyed covenant <laughs> i enjoyed it for what it was <laughs> yeah but I didn't love that they killed her off. Oh, no, yeah. Do you think she just turned it down because it got such a negative reaction? No, they didn't want her back. What? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But you could have... Oh, but then again, they do wrap up her... Because st- have you seen the short film they did? Sorry, guys, side tangent. They did a separate short film with her and uh, Michael Fassbender and they wrap up her story. Oh, really? So she came back for that. But anyway, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Anywho. But yes, I agree with you. Because from what I've read, like you said, it's got very mixed reactions from people. Going back to the reviewer that I found at Variety, Jessica Kiang, I want to read what she said because I actually do agree with her, even though she's quite snippy. She says, It attains such a level of lurid brainlessness that a cult reprisal may happen at some point after a decent interval of sober reflection has passed. So what she's saying is, she thinks this is going to be a cult classic in the future. I kind of disagree with her in terms of the fact that I, in order for something to be cult, I think it has to be universally panned. There's a lot of reasons why things become cult, isn't there? But I see, I see what she means... In terms of it has a lot of the traits that some cult films have, like it's kind of almost a bit battle royale-ish. However, to say that it's mindless is a bit is very unfair, I think. I think she's missed the point in terms of what I said earlier. So the main crux of the film where it has its balls basically and it has its kind of political leaning is the whole overpopulation thing. And also oh, do you know what? I need to bring it up before I actually forget. And this is part of where I think it's quite ballsy. You know the part where after Monday and Thursday battle in the toilet and she walks out? I love that bit. I turned to Steve and I went, right. I said, if this movie has balls, it'd be Monday. But I think they're going to go with the whole kind of it's Thursday because they want to have a quote unquote happy ending. But when it was revealed to be Thursday, I was quite happy. and I was like, you fucking go, girl. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I went against what I said. No, I, I don't. That's really funny you say that because I was exactly the same. Me and Richard watching it. And I was like, because obviously they, they leave up to a little bit of like you know suspense to as to who actually won and um i said to rich the same thing i was like i thought there was going to be monday i thought it was going to be like a sad ending well not sad but you know like they failed sort of thing and i could kind of make peace i tried to make peace with it so i was like okay well i wanted thursday to to win but this is not really a happy film i think it's meant to be making a point so when she did win i was like oh i was, I was like smiling all over my face i was so pleased because I think, that's, I think that's what you're meant to feel as well. I don't think anyone, even though I feel like Monday's motives are understandable, kind of. Like, you can understand that she's she feels like she can't be an individual. She's frustrated that she's pregnant and in love with a guy that she can't, you know, be with, etc, etc. And also, I think it's important for the fact that they show you that she saw the moments when her grandfather was upset and vulnerable. That would affect you as a child. So the fact that you're living this life that you think's a lie, which, like, not even he was fully believing that it was... Because she was basically saying, we can't keep doing this forever, basically. That's what she was saying. We have to live our own life. And he knew that as well. And that's why she grew up having that opinion where, like, she didn't fully believe what he was doing was right. The only thing I don't understand is how she sort of screwed over her sisters the way she did. Yeah, you'd think she could have like spoken to them about it and tried to try to think of a solution. 
Do you think they would have been... I think they... I don't... Oh, it's tough to say because Thursday's so understanding at the end of the film, but that's because nearly all her sisters are dead. Yeah. But I don't know whether or not they would have been as understanding if she turned around and went, right, guys, I'm pregnant. What are we going to do? Because mm. they would have been just like, well, get rid of it. I actually, I, I feel like... I can understand the frustration, especially like in current times, because it's kind of like the corona thing, isn't it? Like, she is dependent on the other six people being sensible, sticking to the plan... She's constantly living in fear of everybody else's mo- um, actions. Uh, yeah, and she wants to be with sexy Jafar. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's frustrating even just now, isn't it? When you think, oh, well, I'm staying home. Why aren't you? Oh, don't. Don't stop. You're triggering me. Stop. <laughs> right. But so you can understand, can't you, how she's living, or they all are, but she's living in constant fear that one of them is going to mess up. That's not a nice existence. And also the pressure not to mess up because she knows that anything she does will affect them. Yeah, and also the pessimistic knowing that all it takes is for one person to mess up and it's all over. So yes, it does have several plot holes, which I think can be forgiven really considering the the context of the plot. What do you think in terms of overrated, underrated, given what, what we think of how people perceived it? Even though I said about the bit where, like, you know, is it Monday, is it Thursday? Monday, Tuesday, happy day. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, oh, my God. No, I have to say, right at the beginning, you know, when, you know when William Defoe went, I'll call them oh, Monday, I Tuesday. I, I, oh. I was going to say, you don't have to go through all of them. <laughs> I know why. I know why they did that. But, like, me and Rich both went, oh, why would you call your children <laughs> <laughs> so even though I said that like if it had been Monday they would have balls and so on I wasn't decided on whether or not it was a good film now that closing segment for me because they lost their balls when they said it wasn't Monday however they regained them <laughs> with with that ending I think at the end of the film the film went we're not answering the question that we posed however it was very telling of the fact that they had all those babies in that ward and they only had so many nurses and I was thinking to myself, well, you've kind of shown your hand of how you think yeah. that you should be dealing with this film. And the fact that a film is saying to you, maybe the bad guy had a point, for me, made it a good film. Yeah, 100%. I mean, even even in like Endgame, um, sorry, Infinity War, even in that, it's, I mean, you remember what, what happened, you know, when it came out and everyone was pretty much saying online, like, it's really sad and everything, but I kind of see Thanos's point. Yeah, no, I do. <laughs> you know, and and that is, I I think it has balls to be able to say, actually, it's kind of what's kind of a lose lose situation, really, isn't it? But I thought it was quite. I think it was a. Do you know what? I think it was a brave undertaking for like everyone working on it. I feel like the director had a lot to think about. Numi had a lot to, obviously, put into it playing seven characters and make them all like relatively indistinct um distinct is a challenge and a half also acting obviously acting alone that's not easy right no yeah having to act with yourself um as well as all the physical stuff she had to do so i personally think it's underrated oh to be honest i do I think it has its faults, like anything, but I think it gets a bit of a harsh, a harsh write-up in a lot of aspects. Where actually, I think it doesn't deserve to be so slated. That's interesting because I didn't think of that. Do you know what? I think I think you've convinced me because you are right. Because all the stuff that I've read has been mixed, but the majority of the of the voices that matter, like mm. you know, the critics, yeah, the critics, they slam it they pan it a lot of yeah. them have said that uh, like a lot of them have said like you know it's brainless it's there and i think calling something brainless takes away from the motivation i just don't think it sorry I'm no <laughs> no no it i ang- don't think it is no brainless. i i don't think it is either like i think they were i think a lot of people have been sort of um disillusioned by the fact that like you said earlier there was so much violence and so much sort of like action I think when there's action in films, people automatically jump to the fact that, oh, it's just a brainless Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. But then you need to have action in a film, otherwise it's just a drama. And that's not what this film wanted to be. It wanted to be a sci-fi, you know, pulpy hmm. action film. I think, like, unless unless I am clearly just massively 
you know, easy to ma- manipulate. I mean, it made me cry about it three times. <laughs> but we're not though, because so I go back to the fact that like, so you know when we went to go see Tomb Raider in cinema? Oh yeah. <laughs> right, that film, even though I enjoyed it, it felt so vacuous. Yeah. And it felt so obvious what they were trying to yeah. do. You know, the you know the whole bit about her, like, dad. oh, my dad. And then, oh, he's alive. Oh, and, but oh. now he's dead. <laughs> but now he's dead. I was thinking, but then I was like, you're, you're, you're trying to play with my emotions and yeah. I know what you're doing. Yeah. You're trying to put your, you are trying to pull at my heartstrings. Whereas if you just sort of like, stop trying so hard, I might get there. I almost feel like in this, in this movie, it was almost what's the word incidental is that the word that yeah that it got you emotional like, i don't think it actually meant to make you cry <laughs> but i think it they did such a good job of building the world and building the kind of the sadness and the situation they're in and the different characters that i think it did suck you in possibly more than they thought they would suck you in that's for me anyway. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Because I think I've, like, in giving it a rating, I think I underrated it as well. I agree. I think I think it is underrated. I'd be happy to say that it's an underrated film. You don't have to agree with me just because you're scared I'm going to, you know, go all Wednesday on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out my kung fu. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> agree with me. Anyway, so, yeah, I agree. Underrated. Woohoo! Yeah, so... Before we go, I need to reveal what film we're going to watch next because oh, it's my pick. I'm so excited. So the film that I've picked is specifically the sort of film that this podcast has been made for. Okay. So I'm not going to reveal my rating on this podcast, obviously. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I'm not going to reveal it till next week. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> how am I supposed to So the film that I'm picking, <laughs> and you're going to be shocked, Jess, it is a rom-com. Okay. I like a rom-com. But in my typical fashion, it's not your typical rom-com. So it's what we call a caper rom-com. It is a film. So it's 2001. Okay, so it's not Speed. It is from the... (laughs) No, it's from the director who did uh, Michelle... Was it Romney Michelle's High School Reunion? Oh, yeah. And it is Heartbreakers. Oh, yes. I love Heartbreakers. I mean, I don't know how I feel about Heartbreakers. (laughs) (laughs) So I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you've seen it or not. A long time ago, I watched it when I was younger. Oh yeah. But I love it, and every time there's a film about Sigourney Weaver, I usually I always say to people, "Have you seen Heartbreakers?" And nine times out of ten, they're like, "No," and I'm like, "You need to go watch it." So I am so happy that you. I, well, I'm happy you've seen it and you know it. It also started off my love affair with Jason Lee. <laughs> <gasps> He's so sexy in it. I know. <laughs> in a kind of like a weird way like i don't think he's meant is he meant to be like are you supposed to find him i think you are and you know what jason he i have complicated emotions (laughs) with him because when he's syndrome (laughs) incredibles Mm. i'm sort of like i'm gonna close my eyes because (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) because it's true yeah i feel i feel you there to be honest Ah, oh, brilliant. So, yeah, guys, make sure you get Heartbreakers Watch before you listen to us next time. Yeah, if you can't, if you can't find it, if you guys don't have Amazon Prime, then you can find it in, like... Oh, wait, we can't go out in a minute, can we? I was going to say you can find it in CEX for about 50p, but... But I'm sure it's on other streaming networks for, like, maybe, like, one pound something. Oh, if, if that. Yeah, it'd probably be a free one. Oh, great choice. All right, so, Jess, I had so much fun talking about what happened to Monday. Do you know what? I keep on wanting to say whatever happened to Monday. You know, like, whatever <laughs> happened to Baby Jane. <laughs> but different films, different films. I feel like they'll make some sequels. You know, Tuesday will go missing. And then Wednesday. Yeah, oh, she's already gone. <gasps> oh, it could, be, it could be different, like, twins. Oh, yeah. And we might get our male version that the original script was written as. Yeah. That'd be a totally different film, though. What would you, what would they be called? Kieran Stalman. <laughs> don't do that right lots of love everybody bye 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 now bye bye you've been listening to really rated a movie review podcast if you've enjoyed this episode why not dive into our archives and catch up on the movie reviews you might have missed and have your say by sending your own thoughts and questions of the films you've discussed so far to really rated at gmail.com make sure to hit that subscribe button and stay up to date with the latest episodes and spread the word that we are now available at podbean itunes spotify and google play music until next time film fans keep Keep it it really really rated. rated